Hey, good morning, Access. My name is John. I serve as the executive pastor here. Do you all remember this place? Yeah, this is, uh, for those of you who are you know recently joining us online, this is where we used to meet on Sundays for our, our Sunday gatherings. And uh, since then, so much has changed, hasn't it? You know, how we socialize, how we eat, how we shop, how we work, how we play, how we worship. Right? We used to meet at 1888 Stebbins Drive, and now we meet at uh, youtube.com backslash access live. Everything has changed. Or has it? Yeah, a lot of things have changed. Uh, but there are a lot of things that have actually stayed the same. So Houston is still hot and humid as ever. My kids still like chocolate cookies and video games. Uh, Jesus is still Lord. And the church is still the people of God. And God still fiercely and unconditionally loves the world and the church, no matter how messed up or broken it gets. There are some things that never change, um, despite the fact that it can feel to the contrary. And I think it's easy to forget that sometimes. You know, as a faith community, so many of the things that we were used to uh, in terms of our life together, right? Gathering on Sunday in person, being able to see each other, give each other handshakes and hugs, being able to hear Victor's laugh during a message, all the, you know, going out to lunch afterwards. Gosh, all those things have been taken away. And it kind of leaves us wondering like, well, what do we have left? And when I think about that question, yeah, a lot of things have been taken away, but everything that matters, we still have. Everything that matters. Uh, we still have Christ. We still have his leadership and his vision for the church. We still have the same spirit that he gave to the early church that empowered it and allowed it to grow. That is the same spirit that lives in us and breathes life in us, even though we might need to be breathing through a mask. We still have every one of you, the beloved community of Christ, indwelt by the spirit and empowered for mission. So in this new series, Waves and Anchors, we're going to be reflecting on who we are as a church, you know, what we're about uh, in the midst of all these seismic shifts and near constant change. And my hope in this series is for two things to happen. First, I hope that it will clarify for all of us who we are as a church and what we're about, where we're headed, our direction, um, so that, um, and this is the second outcome, that you might be able to sense it within your own spirit, in your own heart, uh, the sense of, yeah, I resonate with that, that you would be able to say to yourself, that's something I really want to belong to and give myself to. Um, and that applies just as much to those of you who have just started joining us recently and are trying to learn more about access as well as those of us, you know, those of you who have, who have been here from the very beginning, um, because sometimes it's easy to get into autopilot. You just kind of, you know, come and just do the thing because that's what you're used to. And so it could be a helpful time to say, hey, like, what is access really about? And do I resonate with that? Because implicit in that is also the option uh, to realize that, you know, uh, I'm glad you clarified for me what you're about, because uh, I, I don't find that I align with it anymore. And if that's the case, you know, I think ultimately we want to bless you to find a faith community that does align with your spiritual journey. But my hope is that as you hear these things, that the Spirit will work and you will sense 
God leading you to journey with us. That would be our delight and our hope. So let's say a word of prayer as we begin today's message. Lord, thank you for this day. Uh, It has been um, quite the last couple of weeks and months. And we come this morning to worship you, to hear from your word, from your spirit. So please speak to us. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So one of my favorite mantras, like uh, leadership mantras, comes from a book, Knowing the Mountains. And it says this, start with conviction, stay calm, stay connected, and stay the course. Man, I would encourage you to like write that down or even try to memorize it because the implications, the application for leadership, for family life, organizational health, even crisis management are are so many. I found this little mantra to be extremely helpful. And when things go crazy, when things go bonkers, and they have multiple times over during the last few months, I think it really helps to ask the question, what are my convictions? To start with convictions. Because convictions help clarify for us what is truly important to us. Um, They serve to guide us when we feel lost. They root us when the ground feels like it's shaking. And they anchor us when the waves are high and violent. So this morning, I want to share with you what is our conviction as a church regarding our vision, uh, who we believe God has called us to strive for and to become. Now, this came out of work that um, our lead team did from the years 2015 to 2019. Initially, uh, this vision started as strategic priorities, things that we were just going to focus on for like a year and then move on to the next strategic priority. Only as we were talking about these things and reflecting on them, we realized, you know, we don't want to just focus on these things for a year. These are so important that this is what we want to be about, you know, as a church in our life together. And so over a bunch of conversations and prayer together, Finally, on August 17th, 2019, the lead team uh, adopted um, this formal vision statement of access. And so let's read this together um, this morning. Would you join me in reading it? Our vision is to be a church experiencing a deep life with God and others, growing as a faith village, striving for unity and diversity, empowering people on mission, and impacting culture in the way. Of Jesus. Now, this isn't just something like nice words to hang on a wall. This really does represent for us our, our convictions about who we believe God has called access to be about to become. And so this morning, I'd like to walk us through uh, this vision statement. Um, for the sake of time, I'll focus on some points more than others. In a time of extreme reactivity, our vision is to be a church experiencing a deep life with God and others. Listen to uh, this parable of Jesus from Matthew 13. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. 
It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Uh, Jesus has these awesome phrases, right? Whoever has ears, let them hear. That's just kind of cool. Now, uh, in this particular parable, um, we're actually really blessed because Jesus takes the guesswork out of understanding what he meant by this. Uh, this doesn't always happen, but just a few verses later, Jesus explains to them the meaning of this parable to his disciples. So in verse 18, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So let me translate this parable in terms of our vision. So this first group refers to people who uh, have not yet experienced life with God. Before the seeds of life can take root in their hearts and in their souls, the evil one snatches it away. This happens so often, and it is tragic. In the second group are people who have life with God, but it hasn't yet, um, it hasn't yet had the time to mature or develop the kind of roots that it needs. Uh, this kind of relationship with God is maybe immature. It is shallow. Uh, maybe a little more superficial. And so maybe early on, uh, upon hearing about God's love, one receives it with great enthusiasm, but then there's not this uh, ongoing growth. And so then when something hard happens, when something, uh, pain, loss, or suffering, when our expectations of God don't meet reality, uh, that heat causes their life with God to wither and to be scorched. In the third category, we have people who have life with God, but it is choked out by worries, concerns, materialism. These worries and concerns are like weeds that crowd out a healthy plant, competing for both sun and nutrients, so that ultimately what had the potential to bear fruit now becomes unhealthy and fruitless. And in contrast to the other three, there is the fourth. And I think this fourth group describes a deep life with God. It describes those who have a relationship with God that can withstand difficulty. It isn't choked out by other worries. And perhaps most significantly, it is the only group that bears fruit. Now, bearing fruit isn't the same as being effective or productive. It might certainly include some of those aspects, but if you look at the New Testament particularly, you'll see that the, the emphasis 
is on these inner qualities, these inner character traits like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. So being f- fruitful um, is a mark. It is a, uh, it is a sign of a deep life with God. Because a deep life with God is one in which our relationship with God, our connection with God, it ends up permeating every aspect of our life, bearing fruit that blesses uh, our souls, right? Our, who we are, our inner, our inner world. It bears fruit that blesses our relationships and promotes peace and joy in others. It bears fruit that uh, contributes to the flourishing of our society in our world. So what leads some to have a deep life with God with the kind of deep roots that leads to health and fruitfulness, whereas others end up getting uh, burnt out, choked out, or even robbed of life? Well, the difference is in the soil. And that's the one thing we can actively influence. Uh, We can cultivate healthy, good soil. Um, This is why at Access, we emphasize things like faith walking, uh, Enneagram, uh, and other ways of unearthing the rocks that can be embedded in our soil, uh, preventing us from growing. That is why we emphasize spiritual practices like scripture reading, prayer and reflection, uh, lament and Sabbath keeping, because these practices, they put us in a posture of being able to listen for God's voice and respond faithfully. This is why we emphasize that in community, it's about receiving one another as we are. Because uh, grace and love are the most potent fertilizers that contribute to growth and change, not guilt tripping and not coercion. You might have also noticed that um, in the first sentence of our vision statement, it says, a deep life with God and others. We strongly believe that our vertical relationship with God is intricately tied to our horizontal relationships. Uh, Our life in community is just inextricably tied to our life with God. We are meant to connect deeply with God and others. That is how God designed and created us. Community life isn't just this optional add-on to the Christian life. It is integral. It is critical to Christian flourishing, because in community, in relationship, that is where we find uh, grace. That is where we find love. That is where we find challenge. That is where we find rebuke and correction and truth-telling. That is where we find empathy and forgiveness and reconciliation. That is where we find strength. Man, community life is so essential. And I want to remind you that even though we are not meeting in person, we are still meeting. Um, what's been really ironic is that during this pandemic, we, you know, we recently started a bunch of online groups. And what's been interesting is that we actually have as much, if not more, participation, active participation in our online groups than we even did uh, before the pandemic started. People are hungry for connection. And during, this, during our groups, uh, even though we're meeting on Zoom, we're still able to pray for each other. 
we're still able to read scripture and encourage and challenge each other. The psalmist paints a picture of a deep life with God this way. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Amidst this turbulent season, uh, my hope is that all of us, we would be like this long row of trees next to the river of life, who is Jesus himself, that we would be planted, that we would be stable, we would be rooted and bearing fruit during these difficult times. Do you long for a deep life with God and for others? In a time when we are socially distanced, when we are staying at home and working from home, when many of the spaces that we used to inhabit, um, you know, to connect with others can't be done safely or easily anymore, our vision as a church is to be growing as a faith village. This vision comes straight from Jesus's lips, who redefined who belongs. In Matthew 12, 46, it says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus radically redefined family. Because in God's family, belonging isn't based on genetics or on blood. Instead, we are bound together by our common faith in Jesus Christ, who gave his body and his blood that we might be united together in family. At Access, we use this phrase, faith village, to give fresh meaning to what it means to be a part of God's extended family. So I'd like you to hear this articulation um, that kind of fleshes out more what we mean by faith village, read by certain members, uh, by members of our faith village. So listen to this. We envision access as a faith village where we dwell and thrive together under God's good leadership. In our faith village, we belong to one another and walk together as companions towards a deeper life with Christ. The children among us are our children, and each child will have multiple aunties and uncles, adults to invest in and help them along in their faith journey. We will seek God's transformation of our parenthood, marriages, and other key relationships so that we reflect his love more deeply. Throughout our faith village, we will nurture authentic friendships across generations and situations in life, younger and older, single and coupled, with and without children. We will become an integral part of each other's lives and all will belong. As a strong family, we will not become solely concerned with our own flourishing. We will become a missional family and village marked by hospitality, making room for those who do not yet belong 
and seeking God's restoration in parts of his world that are suffering or not yet thriving. So in short, the faith village is made up of those who are single and single again. Those who are newly married and those who have been married for years. Those who are married with kids and those who are married without kids, as well as those who are empty nesters. It is made for those who are young and old. That is the faith village. Together we are bound together in and through Christ. Um, I wanted to say a special shout out to all of you who this past year, currently or in the past, have invested in our kids and our youth. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for embodying one aspect of our faith village. Do you long to be a part of a faith village? Know that you are not alone. And in a time when perhaps the critical social issue of the day is our society's ongoing entrenchment in racial injustice and anti-Blackness, we are resolved to be a part of the solution and not perpetuate the problem. Our vision is to be a church striving for unity and diversity. We must not reduce unity to being nice or avoiding conflict. Because when we do that, we greatly diminish the meaning of unity, which Jesus prayed for in John chapter 17. True unity is messy. It is hard fought and it is robust. For us at Access, true unity means we stand in solidarity with our Black brothers and sisters, longing for justice and equality. For us, true unity means that as uh, for those of us who are Asian American, that we are discovering our racial histories and deepening our sense of our identity, ethnic identity, and our place at the table. For us, true unity means we love our white brothers and sisters uh, who we see as allies as we are working together towards the same goal of racial wholeness and racial righteousness. We are not trying to be colorblind, but rather we are trying to see the beauty intrinsic in all colors, all hues, and all skin tones. Whatever color you are, whatever your ethnicity, would you join us as we seek to be a church striving for unity and diversity? We need you. And in a time when we are more decentralized than we've ever been, now is the time for us to be a church empowering people on mission. Jesus said to his disciples after he had risen again, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. You know that our God is a sending God and that we, his people, are a sent people. All of us are sent together on mission. And for some of us, that means we are sent into particular workplaces or particular neighborhoods or particular gyms or particularly fam particular family. Um, some of us are being sent overseas, yes, but we are all sent, whether that's near or far. And the amazing news is that we all have a part to play. Your part looks different than my part, and my part looks different than yours, but we all get to play a part. And so as we think about being a people empowered on mission, wherever we are, wherever we are being sent, we ask the question, God, 
What are you doing around me? What are you doing? And how can I join you? How can I be a part of your redemptive work? One of the people in our community that I see doing this in a really tangible way uh, is Denise Murray. Uh, she helped read uh, the Faith Builders Vision just a moment ago. She's been really involved in our wrecking crew ministry as well as helping us as a church think through what it looks like for us to pursue this vision of striving for unity and diversity. Those of you guys who know her know that she is a uh, passionate advocate for racial righteousness. Uh, and so the way that she's been answering this question, God, what are you doing and how can I join and be a part of it, is she's been leading like two to three different groups of people as they study and read about uh, racial identity and race issues in the country. She's uh, reaching out to her neighbors, her gym workout buddies, and uh, her friends, and creating these spaces for them to learn together. Uh, it's really amazing to watch Denise do this. And so way to go, Denise. And I know many of you are wrestling with this question of what does it look like for me to be on mission with God? And so if you haven't asked that question of yourself, what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you to be empowered on mission? In a time of culture wars, we desire to be a church impacting culture. That's why we just wrapped up a series called Church and Culture, where we're exploring what it looks like for us as a church to interact with culture, because we're not just meant to uh, consume it or copy it or critique it or condemn it. Man, God wants us to co-create culture with him. Um, and so uh, if you haven't yet had a chance to listen to that sermon series, I encourage you to check it out because in it, we talk about things like justice and politics and consumption. And finally, what may very well be the most important part of our vision is this last part, in the way of Jesus. Because it's not just what you do, but how you do it. The early Christians were called followers of the way because their life, uh, their lifestyles, their teachings, their behaviors, their words, they reflected something that was distinct and different. They reflected Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Ultimately, our, our heart's desire is above all to follow Jesus faithfully. Our vision is to be a church experiencing a deep life with God and others, growing as a faith village, striving for unity and diversity, empowering people on mission, and impacting culture in the way of Jesus. These are our convictions. These are the things that will anchor us in the midst of the tempest. This is who we are. Will you join us? Once a month, we partake at the communion table. The bread and cup are anchors that Jesus gave to his people to ground us in his self-sacrificing self love. We come back to these elements over and over again to be reminded about who God is above and who we are here below. If you've never trusted in Jesus, perhaps this is the day for you to do that to say yes to Jesus, to follow him, to join a church community. And may your first step of faith be to take these elements and to say, yes, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive your forgiveness and I want to follow you. 
So I want to give us, um, as a community, just a little space to take this time to examine your heart, to prepare yourself to take communion, to pray quietly. And so after a few moments, then we'll read the scriptures from 1 Corinthians. Let's read this together. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. At this time, let's take the elements together. Amen. So in the coming weeks, we'll be exploring our mission as well as our values. And so I hope you'll come back and join us. Let's say our setting prayer together. Loving God through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us towards joy and generosity in Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus. Amen.